What's up? Welcome to the Stello Fellow Podcast. Glad that you're joining us. Here we are again today. I didn't drop a blog today because I wrote I, I wrote two, uh, or I wrote one, and then I am in the middle of writing another one that I was going to publish today, and neither one did I really like that much. Uh, I, like, I really liked them, but I didn't like what I had to say so far. So the first one is, son, uh, sometimes it's okay to fight. Or, no, no, it wasn't sometimes. It's, son, it's okay to fight. That, that one just needs to be played out better because the intensity of like just that statement it's like okay maybe you you need to have something quality to say if you're gonna say that so that one's just got to get better the other one is it like it, your words matter and uh which they do and again like as i'm writing it there's parts of it as i kind of ran a rabbit trail i just didn't like how it was playing out and it's now 11:58, to which i was like man i like we, i don't have time to to really flesh those out the way that i want to and which you're like, wait, why, why are you, why are you writing the, yeah, I, I typically write either the night before or the morning of, and then publish that day because, uh, that's just where we're at right now. And so I'm not that far ahead of things, but I'm still putting down like five to 10,000 words a week on a piece of paper. Uh, probably about 80% of that actually gets published. And then, and then the other 20% doesn't, it gets either backburnered or rethought or rewritten or whatever. So today instead uh, again, like the way this works, I will either run across somebody that I don't know and I meet them over social media or I read something or I watch something and I get a hold of that person and invite them to come just be, be on an interview, whether that's in here or typically those are remote because those guys aren't usually in this area. And so um, I do that over Skype and record it. We're going to drop one on Monday from uh, a guy that I interviewed uh, who lives in Washington. And uh, that's going to be a fun, that was a fun conversation. There was a guy that I connected with last night, invited him onto the podcast, and we'll hit one up probably in the next three months as uh, as we just talked. Uh, but what had led to, th- to that conversation, I put out um, a podcast yesterday that was like Lazy Churches Suck Part 2. He watched it, responded, we started talking. I then sent him this article that I hadn't done a podcast with yet, and that spurred a further conversation, which is the Why I Got Out of Ministry uh, blog that I did. That one dropped uh, October 21st, so it's been a little over a month since that one went out. I had, as I started writing and putting things out, the first things I put out were number one, uh, 10 things I wish I knew, or not 10 things, but what I wish I knew. There were seven, what I wish I knew before uh, becoming a student pastor. That was the first thing I ever put out, and uh, and then I put my story out, and then I put the Perfect Church series out, which is a series of eight blogs, uh, which I've gone back and started to do podcasts of those again. The question as I did that was, like, as I, people would either connect with me or reconnect, um, being like, like there was a guy that I coached. He was like a sophomore in high school or freshman in high school, and I was the strength coach where he went to school. He reached out after reading one of those blogs and was like, hey, wait, I was like, you're not in ministry anymore? Tell me what happened. It's to which I said, like, I'm actually going to write one of these. So I've had that conversation a few times on people calling and reaching out or sending DMs or messages or whatever the avenue is and asking that question, why? Uh, the conversation that happened yesterday, the guy was like, hey, really enjoyed this. Just want to say thanks for, for putting that out there, yada, yada. And then ask, wait, are you not in ministry anymore? And to which I just was like, it's a long story in here. Just And so I sent this to him, uh, which then made me think like, I should just go back and do this again. So uh, it, it's a, that's, hey, wait, why did you get out of ministry? 
I'm going to start reading here. It's a fairly deep question. It takes some effort to answer. There's another podcast that I did that I do. It wasn't mine. It's um, with uh, Abundant Life Church in Grapevine. I am on that podcast weekly, and we were discussing the call of ministry. And in that, there was the conversation of, like, like why did you get out? What's your view on that? What do you do now? Why? That kind of thing. So if you want to go there, you can go to to my website, stellafellow.com. Uh, go to the faith tab, go to why I got out of ministry, and you can click on the link in that to to that particular podcast if you want to. So, uh, but getting started here, I wanted to go into ministry when I was 18. At that time, it felt like, or I felt like there was nothing else I could do, and so that's what I did. That When we talk about the idea of calling in ministry, that's one of those key, okay, yes, when you can't fathom doing anything else, it doesn't mean that you're not capable of doing anything else. Most guys that are good pastors are completely capable. In fact, they're maybe more capable of being far more successful in the area of business or entrepreneurism, entrepreneurialism or sports or coaching or teaching or uh, probably not teaching. You probably don't make more money. And if we're talking success in terms of financial gain as it comes as a, as a career, yeah, that's a, that's a, a top three marker. Um, as we say success or like, did you win? Are you at the top of, of whatever field you're in, fill in the blank, <clears throat> lawyers, doctors, things like that. Like there are guys that are pastors that would be better at that. And however, the call on their life, not, and I, and I don't mean better, like you'd be a better doctor than a pastor, uh, maybe, but you, you would also be like, you'd be really good. You'd be a lot better than a lot of the ones that are doing it. And so there are guys that are really, really capable, uh, like high-capacity, hardworking, creative, really gifted humans who work in ministry who could be really successful outside of it, and they don't because they can't fathom doing anything else other than what they're doing. So it's not a capability thing. It is a, no, I am convicted to this is, that this is what I'm supposed to do. So that's what they do. That's how I felt at that point. There was nothing else I could fathom for a career than being a pastor for what I showed up for each day. I remember wrestling with the idea when I was in college. Ryan and I had gotten engaged, and I was taking some time to actually make some moves to put myself in position to start a career. I went to school. like I left Amarillo, came to Dallas, and I went to Dallas Baptist University with the thought that I'm going to go prepare to go into ministry. I want to be a student pastor. That's why I'm going to school. Ryan and I got engaged. We were juniors no we were soft what were we ryan and i met our sophomore year in college we dated that year the beginning of our junior year we got engaged and then i graduated early i i sped up the process and got done in three years and but when we got engaged as i started to really ask the question what am i going to do in the next 12 months when i'm no longer here on campus and i'm married and i'm now providing for two of us and it's no longer mom and dad who are taking the bulk of this, but it's me, what is it actually going to look like? I'd yet to intern anywhere. I was still finishing up school. I didn't know really what the process for getting an actual job as an adult was. I'd worked since I was eight, and it's the same. Like, you're going to go, you're going to interview, like fill out an application interview, and then you either get it or don't. The, it's more complicated, most of you know, once you get into the business world or adult life or ministry, it's, it's more than an application and a one interview. It's now a, a much bigger process, which makes sense because now you're talking about careers. You're not talking about a seasonal job or a lawn mowing thing or whatever it is that you're doing. 
so I was working at the time. I worked on campus uh, with the grounds crew, and I worked at a plumbing shop on the side on the weekends. I then got fired from the grounds crew and worked at the plumbing shop all the time while I finished up school, And so, which was cool. It was awesome. I went to school Tuesday, Thursdays the last year I went. I worked Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Saturday if I wanted. So I could put in 38-plus hours a week. Uh, I don't think I could put 40 in because of the, like, okay, now you're full-time and what that means. And so it's like I could get up to, I think, 38, and which I did. I got darn near close most of the time, so it was awesome. It was like I could work 12-hour days, three days a week, do the homework that I needed to do, and then I could go to class Tuesday, Thursdays. And so, like, that was a, it was a kind of a crazy year, and at the same time, it was, it was just a lot of fun um, to work and then have the freedom to go to school and still enjoy it. It's just, it was an interesting time in life. But as I did that in thinking through, okay, what am I going to do? I like, I made an effort to do other things. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to do ministry. That's what I'm doing. Like I actually started a career in different areas. Like I started a career as a, a tradesman plumber. I did. Um, I started a business of my own hanging Christmas lights. I like, and this I said, I worked a trade job. I actually was a teacher and a coach. I, when I left the plumbing job, I went and I started coaching football and uh, strength and conditioning, and I taught Bible and science at this little private school in Duncanville. Um, I wasn't there very long. Why? Because uh, the, the school, uh, it was a really small school, and at Christmas time, they're like, hey, we didn't meet finances for enrollment and tuition, and so we have to let some people go, and you're the first, or you're the newest ad, so see you later. <sighs> okay, cool. And, and then I went back and I worked in an office type situation and I, like I worked on campus at DBU in an office in one of their college departments and <coughs> Ryan finished up school and then from there uh, I ended I started interviewing for jobs and ended up at a church why because that's the thing that as I did all of those things and looked at it all I was like no ministry is what I feel called to and that's what I feel confident and comfortable in terms of that's what I wanted like it that was a, a being in ministry was a foreign thing to me it was something I had to learn gifts and skill like you don't learn gifts but I had to take the gifts I had and then turn them into skills and like learn that and practice it and hone that and begin to get better at those things because I wasn't very good at it to start with so I wasn't like I was going into ministry because I was like man I'm highly capable it was like I really am incapable in a lot of different areas I'm doing this because I feel called and that's like literally it's like I don't feel comfortable doing anything else in terms of what I believe what the scriptures say as I like walk out like I'm living in faith I don't sounds cheesy as I say it out loud it's not but it's like it sounds cliche it sounds too cliche for what I'm trying to get at it was it was a legitimate I I can't do anything else so I'm going to do this and I got to get better at it while I'm doing it and so that's what I did at the same time, I'm picking up reading again. What do I want to pick up? I do the things that I had tried to do. I do those now. I do a lot of that stuff now. Uh, and at the same time, I wanted to be different than what I was. I'm reading again. I had a deep-rooted desire to be a pastor, but I also wanted to be or I wanted to do or be some things that were selfish too. I wanted to be smart. I wanted to be fun. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be validated by other people who were, quote, strong believers in Jesus. Some of these things are really healthy desires, and some of them aren't. Anything that led with I want was probably an unhealthy thought and desire because of the me part. I still today believe that I was called for a period of time in my life to serve the church in a very specific and focused way. But at this point, it's clear that for this season, that's no longer the case. And so back then when I was 21, yeah, it was very clear 
that it, there's a, I am called and I can look back and go, that was a specific time with a specific focus in a specific way. And that season's over. Um, at 18, 19, 20 years old, it was a challenge to distinguish between what was healthy and what wasn't. And at 30, 40, 50 years old, I think it's probably much the same. Uh, I'm 39 now, and I still have a hard time distinguishing. You know, I don't have a hard time distinguishing. I have a hard time uh, not trying to chase the things that are unhealthy. And so do I have a hard, like, is it hard for me to not be doing what I used to do at times? Yeah, it really is. And is it easy at times? Yeah, it really is because of the the benefits if you if you take Jesus out of the equation which we don't but if it, just trying to express like what are the positive and negative things what makes it easier the the things I don't have to deal with make it a lot easier um, a lot of the crap that goes on that like I've written about like if you read my story or you read even if you read the lazy church part one and two and listen to that podcast or just read that blog I don't deal with a lot of that crap uh, because I'm not there. Right now, I'm not, I'm not on the inside. I don't have to mess with it, and that's a bonus for me. But I still do a lot of the things that I did enjoy doing uh, that were the positive things. Like I still work with high school kids on a regular basis. I still am able to use my ability to connect relationally with them on a daily basis. And so coaching football and coaching – I coach track, but I actually coach pole vaulters. I don't coach track. Uh, so those are distinctly different. If you're a pole vaulter, you know what I mean. If you don't, then you don't, and you never will. So that's yeah, – I'm good with that. Uh, but I like I sorry, that sounds arrogant, but pole vaulters are arrogant. That's what we are. Um, so there's like there's 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 positives, there's negatives. Uh, and at the same time, the calling is what trumps everything. And so the, the calling of like, no, I'm I am called to deal with the crap. So you deal with it. And uh, when you're not, don't because there's too much of it. And that's, I heard Alistair Begg say one time, he was discussing this and said the same thing. It was the first time I had heard this concept. He, he said somebody he was counseling had asked like, hey, I feel like I'm called to ministry. Should I go into that? And he asked him, he said, is there anything else you can do? Anything at all? And again, not capable, but is there anything else that you can, like, what else could you do? Because if there's anything else, do that instead because there's so much crap inside this as a career. And if you can't, then yeah, get over it and here you go. If you can, do that instead. Why? Because it honestly is better. My mom said on multiple occasions as we would talk during my time in career in ministry, she, I don't know how many times she said this to me, like, son, I would have never chose this for you. And that, like, those were in good and bad times. It, it wasn't, it wasn't just like if I'm talking to my mom and I'm whining about something, it was legitimately like the whole time. She's like, this isn't what I would have picked for you. When I went in and when I went out, it was the same. Like, I wouldn't have chosen this uh, because it's difficult. My mom's a strong believer. Like, she's loved Jesus since I've known her. I think she met Jesus when she was eight. And um, I distinctly remember her telling me that story of when she trusted Jesus. So it's, not a, it's like, not an easy thing. And it, it's one of those, like, if you're doing it, you better be called to do it. And, and then you better do it well. So hear this. I'm reading again. That means... Uh, that does not mean that I do not love the church, believe in the church, or think that Jesus wants to do a significant work through it. Now, like, I'm still all in on that fact that Jesus made the church the avenue with which he brings the restoration of the relationship between man and God. Like, I think, like, God established a church to save the world. Um, the church doesn't actually save him, save it. Jesus does. But the church is the avenue that God brings that message. And 
uh, if it's different, it's because the church stopped doing its job. Uh, and at the same time, it's not the place that I'm supposed to show up to every day of my life anymore. It's not. When I resigned my last position, packed up my family, moved back from Grapevine to Austin, I thought it would be one or two months down the road and I would be on another church staff and back to business as normal, and it's not the case. Never in my life have I had options on the table to move or uh, or to a move, excuse me, or a direction career-wise. I just haven't. Like, I'm not kidding. I've never had to make a choice job-wise with which position I would take. Uh, anytime I had to move, I made a move, it's because the, that move was the only one to be made. And when I, when I took a job in Tulsa, my first ministry gig, was the only job offer I had. So we went to Bixby, Oklahoma. And if you're watching this, we lo- absolutely loved our time in Bixby. We have really good friends from that time and people that I like deeply cherish the relationships that I established while I was there. Kids that were students in our group, like the first graduating class that we had. It's so funny to think back on that and be like, like the kids that we were leading. I was at 23 years old and they were 18. I'm 39. Those people are at 35. They're right behind me in age. And it's, it's funny to have uh, um, those memories and then the relationship. That, like when, whenever I see, there's a guy named Nace. Whenever I see Nace, I'm like, you're a grown up. And at the same time, like my automatic remem- memories still attach you to being 18 uh, years old and, and hanging out in the gym, working out with you. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's funny. Um, I don't know why I said that, but my only option at that point was to go to Bixby. So that's where we went. And then, uh, I had a job offer in Flower Mound and we came back to the Dallas area and I, I took a job there that I worked at for eight years and I, I didn't have to leave Bixby, but there was all kinds of mess going on and Stan was not going to be healthy and it was a mess and I was a complete mess. And so we came back this way. Uh, again, it was one of those. It was like, could I have stayed? Yeah, but no, I couldn't have. And uh, I was I was at the church I was at in Flower Mound until I couldn't be there anymore. It was it, it was awesome for six years. And then the last year and a half were t- terrible and uh, all kinds of things, and it got me to a point where, and, and a lot of that's my fault. If you read my story, you're going to see that, and, and there were some uh, there's some crap that went on too, and so uh, at the same time, like, I'm going to own, if I wasn't, if I wasn't who I was back then and messed up, it would have been different. The story would be, would be different. It just would be, and so it's not on them. It's on me, and I'm good with that. We've had good conversations, and and restored relationships for all the mess and everything that's gone on. They're uh, people I deeply love and respect. And <clears throat> so, uh, but again, like I had to leave. I couldn't stay there. And the only opportunity was that I went to uh, was the only one that was there. The, the, I didn't say that well. Where I went was the only option open. And so I went to a church in Dallas. It's called Watermark. It's the only church I actually name as I talk about these things. Uh, uh, because I had like significant life change. That's where I dealt with my porn issues. It's where I uh, was radically changed as a human because I like I met Jesus at 18, and then at 31, I started dealing with things the way that Scripture tells us to uh, in a way that I hadn't since I was like 23. So when I first met Jesus, I, I was all in in every aspect that I understood and could know at the age of 18 and as a as a new Christian and learning from the scriptures and <clears throat> kind of drinking from a fire hydrant, so to speak. And then 
I really started to stray. Read, read my story. It'll tell you. I started to struggle. And then again, it was like, no, I jumped back all in when, at the age of 31. And I did that because I was surrounded by people that did it. And somebody showed me how to do it. And I, and I didn't fully understand how to do it until somebody showed me how. And that's when I, like when I talk about the church being the church, they were it. And I, uh, Jesus radically used them. Again, like I believe that the church is the avenue that he brings hope, healing, freedom, and restoration because that's where somebody showed me how to do it. I just didn't, I just didn't grab it on my own by myself. I'm going to do another blog of why you should go to church. And that's one of those reasons. Like it's, the scriptures don't tell us to, to not stop meeting together in Hebrews 10, 25, but they tell us to do that because it's like, that's on purpose. God designed it that way. And so go do it. And some, and somebody has to lead that. And whoever leads that should be the people that are called to lead that. And they should do it really well. So again, I, I just, I've never had a, an option in the, the option. I've never had options, plural. I've always had option. And so that's what I did. And when we moved back, I didn't have, like the next wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It wasn't another church staff. In fact, everybody that I talked to said no, or just didn't say anything after we talked. And if nothing else, there's a clear answer for you. Like if you, I, I think I said this yesterday in talking about, uh, if, if you watch daily great, if not, then yesterday doesn't mean anything to you inside this context. Uh, but it, like if you're not doing what you think you're supposed to do, there may be a reason. And if I was hammering the table right now, like I'm supposed to be a pastor, your your appropriate response to me to would be, well, are you? No. Then I don't think you're supposed to be one. Like, no, I'm supposed to be a ministry. I'm called. Are you in ministry uh, from a full-time career standpoint? No. Then I don't think you're supposed to be there. And that's that's been a, like a significant wrestling thing for me on a mental, uh, mental capacity of... I'm not there for a reason, and so then it kind of, kind of this weird, I just hiccuped and burped at the same time, kind of this weird thing of like trying to embrace that and trying to own it and trying to know like I picked that, and but I didn't, all didn't, like that word I don't say well, I did not all at the same time, and I need to stop saying the word didn't because I don't say it well, I always say didn't, so I need to just go with did not. And uh, so what we do now, like we move back and as we process through the first month and pray through and talk to people and like sought counsel, my job was no longer a one job kind of thing. It, it then began to morph into all kinds of different areas. And over the last five years uh, or going on five years now, it has gotten to where it is today in the evolution process. And so like the first 12 months, this is under like what I do now, like the first 12 months, Ryan and I worked together. It started in October of 2015. I spent the majority of that time working on Instagram. And so I spent about 12 months and uh, at least the first three of those 12 months was like hardcore, sixth gear, eight hours a day. I'm on Instagram liking, commenting, posting, editing, planning, sending messages, DMs, responding. And uh, it took like a good four months of daily work, hours upon hours to take our Instagram from 200 to just 1,000. And I started in October, and it was, I guess that's not right, October, November, December. It was three months that it took me. Uh, at Christmas, we hit 1,000 and, and just got a little over 1,000. And then it took another six months to go from 1,000 to 17,000 followers on Instagram and another 12 months to hit 30,000. 
And so during that time, I learned the basics of websites, writing, publishing blogs, doing some editing photo-wise, video-wise, handling finances from a business perspective. And then we got connected with the, the brands and businesses that we did. And then I took all of, over all the detail work, behind-the-scenes work. Uh, when we work with companies, I handle contracts, I handle details, I handle putting the things together. When Ryan gets what's called a collaboration with a brand, uh, she does all the immediate, like, here's what I can do for you, here's who I am. She's, she's the salesman, and then she gets the deal and hands me the deal and says, tell me what we're supposed to do now with this. And so then that's what I do. And um, uh, there's a lot of detail work to that and, and stuff that, man, I didn't do that six years ago. I had an admin that handled detail stuff. Why? Because I'm not great at it unless that's what I have to do, and then I can figure it out. And so that's what we did. Because Ryan doesn't have time, and there was no one else there. So I did that. I started doing some side work as a handyman. Uh, I did some photography gigs. I've done occasional weddings. I do at least two to four weddings a year. Uh, I worked in an off-road shop. I had a buddy that owned an off-road thing, and so I went to work for him and started working you know, part-time, 20 hours a week, and putting lifts on and changing out tires and selling cars and picking stuff up and helping to dress up jeeps which was fun like i had uh i i had a 2014 no i own a 2014 my jeep's a 2014 that's white uh i've also owned a 2015 that was was uh, all blue and a 2016 that was all black uh i drove one of them once so i've owned three jeeps uh, and paid off all three actually and so uh but i sold the first those the second two we sold in that process while i was doing that i started coaching football i coached track again that's pole vaulters and uh where our kids go to school and like once we finally had our arms around all that uh, i don't work at the off-road shop anymore i still do the weddings if somebody needs photography done i can do it if they want a, a handyman thing like i'll do those occasionally when they come up and uh we do some christmas deco stuff uh like a a, a couple of different clients we do some things like that for and then i then i started from there it's like okay now we got our hands around this and I feel like we're doing this well. We're plugged into a church, and we're doing we're doing that at the capacity that we feel comfortable and necessary, and what we should be doing. And then I started writing and trying to go. Okay, I'm going to try to write and speak, and uh, do some coaching on the side, and some podcasting, and everything else I do to try to try to de- generate. Okay, I'm going to take what I've learned the last four years, and I'm going to move back into the world of. I never was out of the world of like doing faith stuff. But at the same time, I'm going to actively pursue on a daily basis. How am I doing that now? That looks very different, and um, the point I, I'm doing the same thing on the blog I did or on the podcast I did in the blog. The point that I can't seem to get to, I'm reading again, and writing this is I got out because it was time for me to get out. There were a ton of things that happened to me and for me during my time working as a professional Christian. I loved working in the church, and I absolutely hated working in the church. I have some of my life's fondest memories from the time I spent as a pastor, and I still on a weekly basis go to a trauma therapy for the things that happened while I was working in the church. That's not a joke. Like, I actually go to this, it's called EMDR uh, therapy that I drive 45 minutes to to sit there for an hour and go through uh, processing traumatic things that took place, and then I drive 45 minutes back. I do that typically twice a month. Sometimes it's three times a month that I go to that. Because of the things that happen, and that's not why I got out. I think there are thousands of pastors in America today that are getting it wrong, and that's not why I got out. Like, I wrote Lazy Churches Suck because I think there's a lot of guys that are getting it wrong, and I didn't get out because of that. In fact, I like I think there are churches that are old, lazy, and slow, and I think there are leaders that, are, that they simply don't care, and I think there are guys who just are in it for a paycheck and— uh, they're in it for the small amount of fame and power they do have, and they basically are incapable of doing anything else. 
not from a spiritual standpoint. Um, it's like the only place they can hide and still make money. And I think there are some really unhealthy situations that aren't being medicated appropriately and they won't be. And that's not why I got out. I, I still am part of a church. I'm not disgusted. I'm not hurt. Um, I haven't taken my ball to go home and been like, Hey, I'm going to go just worship Jesus on my own. I'm not, that's not what I did. I just decided to try to fit in another way. And, uh, because like the way that we tried for a decade and a half, it didn't work. It just didn't. And so now we're trying it differently and it seems to be working better. <clears throat> Reading again, stepping out of a role as a pastor has allowed me to be more engaged with my family. Uh, we actually work more than we did when I was a pastor. We, we put in more hours work-wise and like we sat down to have breakfast today and we worked while we did that the whole time. We used to have, Fridays used to be date day. When we lived in Austin for two years, we would drop the kids off at school and we would just go on a Friday date until they got out because I was off on Friday. Ryan was working a fraction of the amount of time that she works now. She would come back to Dallas for five to eight days, <clears throat> depending on the season and just work as much as she could. And then she would come home and she would be off the rest of the month. And, and we were intentional about that, which was cool because Dax was in preschool back then and they got to, they really got to take advantage of the time he was still home in a unique way. And then he started school. And when he started school, we started doing date days on Friday, and uh, it was a lot of fun. We don't have that now. Um, actually, I said that in there. <clears throat> uh, Saturday was family day, and then church day was Sunday, and then we had some more time. Uh, like, we absolutely loved the schedule when we lived in Austin. Like, the schedule was phenomenal, the way that it worked, and I was putting in 55-plus hours a week. And But from a family perspective, we really enjoyed, the, like, how it worked. It was, uh, it was unique and fun and, and worked really well for us relationally as a family and we don't have that now um reading again yes we have family days but they're there's no more date day fridays while the kids are in school sundays after church or family day but they're also like photo shoots network lunching uh lunches brunches dinners or whatever website influencer work we didn't get done during the week we may be working with a brand that that week or going to shoot something with a company or something like that we work every night we don't put in 50 to 55 anymore we put in a lot more uh, because when you own your own business, like that's the trade-off. You don't work for anybody. You don't answer to anybody, but, um, it only gets done if you do it. And even though we work more, I'm not like, I'm not whining. Uh, we, we chose this, like we pick to do what we do and which means we are around more. I, I don't have, I don't leave and go to the office. I get up and I make the kids breakfast and I take them to school and then I begin to work from there. Uh, yeah, like during the season, I'll go back and I'll be on the field and stuff like that. And we have to, <clears throat> I have to answer to people then. Um, but it's different. It's not the same. It's completely different than, uh, than what we did before. I don't ask or request vacation days. I don't check in with anybody. We just, if we want to do something, we do it. And, and we go, if we want to, if we're going to fly somewhere, we book it and we go, we, we, we go, Hey, does that work? And Ryan looks at her schedule did I book anybody? Or she just goes, I'm not going to book anybody during this time. And then we go. And that's how it works. Like that's a huge trade-off and it's a benefit. And not only that, we're around more, even though we're at home and we're working, it doesn't mean that we're not engaged. We've been able to include the kids on a lot of things. They work with us on stuff, which is awesome. That's something when I was eight, I, my mom owned a business and I worked it and, uh, we got paid and it was awesome. It, it helped to instill work ethic. And not only that, but we spent time as a family. We still laugh about the weddings that we ran on a weekendly basis when I was eight years old. So uh, reading again, I don't do well 
here's the thing. Like, yeah, we put in more hours, but I personally don't do well working for bosses I don't like and I don't respect and or I don't deeply respect. I have an issue submitting to authority that I think is lazy, slow, weak, and or wrong. Um, you may think that's a me problem. I don't. I, if if you are those things as an authority figure, yeah, it's not worth the time following you because you're lazy, you're slow, you're weak, and you're wrong. Like, I don't want to follow you then. Like, I want to go with somebody who's strong, fast, and works hard and is right. Like, I'll let's work with that guy. Um, my role with Ryan is a lot easier. Not from a physical or work perspective, uh, but from a relational standpoint, it's easier because Ryan's none of those things. And if she if she if she was, she wouldn't be as successful as she is. The, I mean, the, I don't know if you know my wife or not. Uh, she's run her own business as a fashion stylist. She doesn't do hair. She does fashion, and she's done that for seventeen, going on eighteen years, and she's really good at it. Um, and that's what we do. Like we have. We have formulated not just a like side savings job, like we made careers out of that. And it's unique, it's different. She started it on her own and she's really, really good at it. If she was any of those things I said before, she wouldn't be good at it. It wouldn't work. Um, we've seen people that have those characteristics that have tried to do it and it doesn't work. And, and not only that, you've got to have some unique things personality-wise for that specific thing to be what you do. And if you're if that doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean you're those things. It just means maybe you're not gifted in that area. It's not your unique personality set because it takes a unicorn to do it. Um, so what I'm trying to get at is she wrecks it in her field, and she's none of those things because if she was, she wouldn't wreck it in her field. Uh, the coach I coach under, the head coach that I coach football with, uh, and and for is I mean, he's strong, he's fast, he's wise. It's like when you walk in the room, you know who's in charge. Like it's not a question. And I, I can survive in that environment. I've worked there for, um, this is my fourth season to coach there, and it literally it's felt like months. I look back and go, like, it's been four years. I've got guys that are juniors that were eighth graders that we were coaching. And, like, the, as, as we finish out, um, however long we go in the playoffs, when we finish the season out, like, those guys are the seniors. They're now the leaders uh, going forward for the next season. It's crazy to think that, how fast that's gone because the environment, and the leadership that I'm under, that's why it feels like that. The 23 months I served under the leaders I did in Austin, actually it was 24, uh, no, it was 25. I need mean, that's a typo. 25 months, it felt like years. And uh, I'm going to read this one because of the distinct difference in leadership capability. Strong leaders are easy to submit to. It's normal and natural. That's a, that, that makes sense. Weak leaders aren't. And... I, I said this in there. Yes, that's a dig, and I, I hope you see it. I, like there's a shovel in the garage, and I got more. I, I didn't get out of ministry because I think many pastors are weak. That's not why I got out. I actually went back in because I think that. And, uh, and the problem is no one will let me back in. And, again, like my life direction typically is a one-opening kind of thing. That's why I do what I do. Uh. So, like, and going back to what I just said, I just made some pretty deep statements. Do I think there are a lot of pastors that are weak, slow, lazy, and wrong? I do. It, look at the culture today. Like, look out your door, look out your window, read Yahoo, and you tell me that where we got today isn't a church problem. Because it is. And, the, like, whoever drove the ship got us where we are. As a church, as a society, as a culture, yeah, like the, the lost people run. Yeah, the lost people act like lost people. Absolutely. Um, did we not do our job? 
for four decades being the church the way that the scriptures say? Yeah, I think we did not do it right. I wasn't sure if I was, like I said, I, I think we did, as in like we missed. And then I was like, wait, do I want to say didn't? But I don't say that well, so I just went with did and then not. Like we failed. We're losing right now. That's not why I got out. Like I didn't stop doing ministry from a career standpoint because we're losing. That wasn't it. It was like, no, I got to do this differently because the way we're tr- we're trying to do it doesn't work. Uh, you guys keep telling me to shut up and g- get away. So uh, am I booty hurt about it? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm good with what we're doing. Was I? Absolutely. Did it take a long time to process through that? Yep, sure did. Um, did everything I just say, like if, if I'd have wrote that three years ago, it would have sounded a lot differently than it sounds now. So, um, if, if your thought process is you're just mad, no, I'm not. Am I frustrated? Heck yeah, I'm frustrated because we need to be better. And when I say we, I mean we, like we got to be better. Like we have to share the gospel more. I got to share the gospel more. Uh, I, I got to, that there's a the perfect church if you go through and read those things there are seven things that list out that i'm actually going to say right now here's what a strong leader does they know uh where they're going because they're there not because they've been there because they're there like a strong pastor has a deep-rooted conviction that he refuses to change regardless of what it cost him he fears the lord more than anything else and that motivates him in every move he makes uh, it's proverbs 1 7 the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and discipline so a strong leader knows where they're going because they are there you're there and you're taking your people there it's that whole idea of like you can't take your people somewhere that you're not you can't take somewhere someone somewhere that you, like you don't know where you're going it doesn't work then you just wander around like go read numbers that's what they did like there's a clear picture of that like they just wandered around in a circle waiting until they all died and then they had somebody that, that had the capability of leading and they said okay let's go and so that's what they did. Um, a strong leader, he, shared the, he shares the gospel every time he gets the chance. Like, he's the guy that you sit down at the table with, and you're like, dude, that guy's blowing me away. Like, I've never seen somebody share the gospel with that much intensity, that often, that ferociously. And I don't mean like, ah. Like, it, it's, it's intimidating. Like, you should be intimidated by a strong leader because of where he's at and what he does specifically with that. It should be. It should scare you. If you're not there, it should scare you and make you uncomfortable. That's what a good leader does. There's your distinguishing. Like if you sit down, if you don't share the gospel on a weekly basis, if if you're not somebody that's distinctly different than everybody that you're around, it's like if you read the like your friends matter, the average of the five people you're around the most. If uh, if you're not distinctly different than like the guys that you ran around with when you were in college, uh, just the kind of the norm, right? If you look just like everybody else at the office, all that, like, the, you're probably not that guy. Like, you're probably not a strong leader. And, um, <clears throat> it, like, if you're not told that, like, if, if people don't love you or hate you, you're probably not a strong leader. It's it Strong leaders is typically one of the others. It's not really a middle ground. People are either all in or they're like, that. we got to burn that guy. Um, that's a strong leader. And that's what he does. He shares the gospel all the time. Uh, he deals with the sin appropriately all the time. Like when he misses, he handles it correctly. Like I'm going to confess to Jesus, to those who know me best, and then I'm going to go through the appropriate response to what they tell me, and I'm going to go from there. That's how I'm going to handle it every single time. That is scary. When a guy is in a relationship with you, and you have that kind of intensity, and he's like, hey, man, I need to tell you, like there was a, a, a picture came up from Yahoo, and it was a bikini, and it just, like, it, man, it was tugging on my heart, and, like, I need to tell you that. Why are you telling me that? 
because I did you not just hear the story? Like something's wrong with my heart because I wanted to look at that. Well, yeah, you're a guy, man. That's all right. No, it's not. That's what I'm talking about. Like the, if your response is like, man, it's not a big deal. Like it, it's just about what you do with it. If you f- can feel the heart pool, and then you go, I have the responsibility to tell somebody th- you're a strong leader. You have what I am talking about. If you don't, then you don't. And you need to get around somebody that is because it's a learned thing. Like leaders aren't born. Like some of them are. There's a handful that are born. Most of them are made. You just need to be around one to get to that point. Uh, he knows the scriptures and he only gives counsel based on them. Like the guy that, that always is quoting scripture and you're like, dude, are you kidding me right now? That's the, one, that's the guy you want to be around. That's a strong leader. He prays a lot. That dude is in constant conversation with Jesus. He lives in a community with other believers, like other people speak into his life. They tell him what to do with his money, what to do with his time, what to do. Like when he's out of line with his family, like those are the people that rebuke him, and he responds to that. That's a strong leader. The guy gives his money to meet a need when there's one he can meet. Like when something comes up and he goes, oh, yeah, I can give to that, he does. When there's the donate button on Facebook, and it's like, no, that's a, that, I believe in that. Here's some money. Like nobody ever regretted giving money away. And uh, he serves the body with his gifts. Those are like those are the things that I said in the perfect church. This is the same thing about a strong leader. That's what he does. That's the baseline of a strong leader. That's what it looks like. And that's where they're leading you. Like all those things I just said, the gospel, dealing with your sin, knowing the scriptures, praying a lot, living community, giving your money, and serving the body, that guy's there. That's why he's leading you there. That's where you're going. If you're not going there, it's not a strong leader. You're going the wrong way. You're going somewhere else. You're going somewhere that Scripture didn't point to. I did it again. Did not point to. And you and you need to find the guy that is and go follow that guy. So, like, as I talk about strong leaders, like, that's the guy, that's a guy I'll follow. Like, there are a handful of guys that could call me tomorrow and say, hey, here's where we're going and here's why, and I deeply believe that Jesus wants you to come with me. I'm going to take that conversation very, very seriously. Now it's going to be difficult because those are the same guys that said, "Yeah, I think you need to, think you need to quit. You need to move back and you need to put your kids where they're at." Uh, as we process through that, those are those guys. Those are the guys that I sat down and I asked that question to. Why? Because they're there, and so I said, "What do I do?" Here's what it looks like. What do I do? And then when they all confirmed on different occasions, not in the same meeting, but it was different conversations, they all said, "Yeah, this is what you do. Do it now." That's what we did. So it would be it would be hard because they already said do this. Uh, and, and then like, no, it's what this, like, here's where the scripture's pointing. This is where prayer is pointing. This is where the community's pointing. This is where wisdom from those who give wisdom based on scripture, that's where they're pointing. And at the same time, those are guys that they could call and go, Hey, here's what I, here's what I'm doing. And I want you to go. We would really consider it. Everybody else is a no. Everyone else is a hard no. And again, like I just said a minute ago, like I want back in, but no one will let me in. Like you just said, you'd say no. Yeah, I would. What? Yeah, I, I get it. Like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I I never really understood that, like, that sorry, not sorry thing. And I think right now, like, a bulb was like, okay, maybe I understand. Uh, I'm going to read again. If a pastor does those seven things really, really well, his time shepherding, shepherding, shepherding the body will go well. It will. He's going to do really good. Yeah, he has to preach, but those things he's doing well is going to give him the capability to share the word of God on a regular basis the way he's supposed to. Like that dictates what you say. Your life, those seven things, that's your life. And those are the priority. And those are the things you do with excellence. When you do that, preaching is there. 
like, yeah, you still got to sit down and study for 10 to 20 hours a week to put it together. But the, the authority is there. Like when people were amazed at Jesus's teaching because of the authority that he had that was distinctly different than everyone else. It's a, it was, it went, yeah, he was God, but his life looked distinctly different than the other people that taught. That's, that's why. Like when, when fishermen from like the rednecks came in and started talking and these guys were like, these guys have been with Jesus. Like these guys are uneducated, like foul mouthed. I don't know if they had foul mouths before then or not, but it's like, man, we got the rednecks in here and it is clear they have got authority. It wasn't because of their education. It wasn't because they followed the rabbi in the seminary process. They did follow Jesus who was a rabbi and it, it that distinctly changed their lives that then gave them the, the authority that they spoke with. Paul's authority in his speaking and his ability to preach highly, like, it, it, I think it probably escalated significantly when he met Jesus. He just did. I think Peter was the same way. I think John was the same way. J- Jesus' brother James, like, he's pretty stout. What did he do growing up? I think he was a carpenter. It's, it isn't about <clears throat> what some of us think it's about, uh, and we, and we got to be better. And is that why I got out? No, I got out because it was time. And I'm going to read here. If the pastor hasn't made it where he's leading his people, then he's leading them somewhere else. We're lacking a plethora of strong pastors, but I didn't get out of ministry because a lot of pastors are weak. I got out because I was supposed to. And I'm not a pastor right now because— or. I'm, I'm going to read this. I'm not a pastor right now because for this season of my life, for whatever reason, I'm not called there right now or anymore. It, it may never be. It never may come back again. I don't know. My role now is to shepherd my family. My role now is to help provide a and protect my home. My role now is to help support and serve the body that we have chosen to live under the elder authority and to do that the best that we can, which is actually no different than it was before. My role is the same. I still have the responsibility to share the gospel. I still have the responsibility to pray a lot, to know the scriptures, to deal with my sin appropriately, to live in community with other people, to give my money and my resources to help when there's a need that's made available that I can meet and go do that. And then I'm uh, called to serve the body with my gifts. I do that. Like I play drums. I speak when they ask me to. I sit down on a podcast on a weekly basis. I go to message run through and help do that. And I, like, I don't go serve the small groups in student ministry right now. Why? Because my kid is in student ministry. She doesn't want me there. And I do that on a weekly basis, coaching where I coach because we integrate, like faith is a part of it. It's not integrated. It's that, that's what we do. Like we're here to, t- we're here to teach you to be men and we're going to play football at the same time. And guess what? We're really good at it. We don't lose often uh, at either one of those. And there's a reason there's because there's really strong leader leading. And, uh, again, like it's no different. Like it's the, the only difference. My paycheck doesn't come from the church anymore. And I don't show up there every single day in the building, but it's all the same. Like my role is no different than it was when I was Case Hubbard, student pastor of fill in the blank ministry. My role's zero different. Zero. Now I don't teach every Sunday. I don't get on stage and open my Bible and speak from the word of God and tell you things. Do I still interact with people? Yeah. Do I still like counsel, like or give wise counsel from people based on scripture? Yeah. That I mean, it happened last night. It happens all the time. Like, do I still get phone calls and text messages and, and requests for coffees and breakfast and meetings and <clears throat> and help and fill in the blank? Yeah, it's all it it still all happens. I just don't get paid for it. Uh, unless I do a wedding, then I get paid for it. If you want me to do your wedding, you can go to wedding tabs on the website. We do 
uh, premarital and then the actual wedding. There's different packages. You can choose what you want. The point is I got out because it was time for me to get out. And I'll, that's what I'll keep doing. Like, uh, I'm going to read this again. The only difference, my paycheck doesn't come from here anymore. And I play in a lot of different areas or arenas and that I didn't get to before. And no one gets to tell me what to wear. So, uh, like, why did I get out? Because uh, I was supposed to. Why was I in to begin with? Because I was supposed to be there. Was I called to do ministry? Yes. I can look at it now and go, it was for a season of time. It was for a specific season, and uh, and it was focused for us for a period of time, and uh, and it's not anymore. Uh, do, do things change sometimes? Yeah, they do. Like, does Jesus change people's roles at times? Yeah, it sure does. Like, that's see that in scripture. People did different things, and and it was okay. Not a big deal. Um, I think God. Anytime there's a specific thing you're supposed to do, God's gonna make that clear, and. Uh, I think when we run through, it's kind of smacking on this. I'm sorry if that's annoying you. If you go through the scriptures and look, starting with Abraham, Abraham's, and at the time of his call, Abram, his call was very specific. God, like, God, he didn't miss it. He didn't have to ask. It wasn't like he sat down and prayed, like, God, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm feeling kind of restless. Do I need to move? God, am I supposed to move? Like, God, show me where to go. That's not what happened. God came and was like, hey, bro, we're moving. Okay. And that's what he did. And then when, and he was like, he's going to do that until he tells him something different. Right? And he's like, hey, you're going to have a kid. He's like, eh. any time he tried to, to answer the question on his own, he got it wrong. Like, that's how that happened. That was a mess. Go back and read Genesis if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, start in chapter 12. And just keep going until you understand. Uh, so that, like, that was a specific call. On Abram's life, if you back up in in Genesis chapter five, I'm um, sorry, in chapter six, Noah. That's a specific call. Noah didn't have to ask. Like, man, it it looks bad around here. Like, the world looks dark. Should I should I be prepared for something? It's not what happened. Jesus said, "Hey, uh, you're gonna need to build a boat because I'm gonna kill everybody." Okay, gotcha. Boat. What's it gonna look like? Thank you, sir. I don't even think he has that. I think he's like, build a boat. Looks like this. Yes, sir. Done. And didn't even have to ask. Like, what did, what do I put on the boat? Like he told him, you're going to, hey, uh, I need you to build a boat. I need you to build it like this. I need you to put these animals on it, and then I need you to get in the boat when I tell you to. And then you get out of the boat when I tell you to. Deal. Noah wasn't always a boat builder, right? That's a season of time, right? He spent 100 years building a boat, and then he spent 40 days while it was raining on the boat, and then he spent, I don't remember how many months, waiting for the water to dry up so he could get off the boat. And after that, he wasn't a boat builder anymore. He didn't build any more boats. That, that at least we know of, right? It, it was He was no longer building boats. God called him to be a boat builder, showed him how to do it, gave him the gifts, the abilities, that like the instruction manual to build a boat, and then after he built the boat, he didn't build any more boats. That's, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like they're, they're, It's appropriate for seasons, but God's, you're not going to miss it. God's going to tell you, and then he's going to walk you through it. You don't even have to ask. You don't. Like The only thing you have to do is look at Scripture and go, okay, what am I supposed to do? Do that. And if you're not doing those things, God's not going to tell you anything else. Because everybody he went and got was doing those things already. Noah, it, it, it was clear, like, this is the one guy that's walking with God. Build a boat. Abraham, all right, this guy, he's a guy that's following God. Here we go. I'm going to make you a people group. You're going to move right now. And, and, and they go, right? 
David. He goes and gets him. Hey, you're going to be king. Why? Because he had the like he was he was the guy that had that right. It, it it wasn't like they were earning it, but it was like okay, it's clear. Like they're doing the basic things they're supposed to do. So God's going to tell them something else, and everybody else he's not talking to, right? He didn't choose a bunch of Davids. He chose one. He didn't choose a bunch of Abrahams. He chose one. He didn't choose a bunch of Noahs. There was literally one on the earth. And so that's who he got. Samuel. He goes and he gets Samuel. It, I mean, and everybody had a unique story in circumstance. Joshua, he's the same way. Moses, he's the same way. It's, it, each guy had a, had a unique story, but he was called for a specific thing, for a specific time. For some of them, it was forever. Like, like Paul was called, and he, he was there until he died. Peter was called, and he was there until he died. John was called, and he was there until he died. That's, that's how that looked for those guys. And at the same time, he came and got them and said, John, get out of the boat, follow me. The only guy that requests in Scripture is Peter, who said, and he even requests and says, hey, Jesus, tell me to get out of the boat. He didn't say, hey, Jesus, should I get out of the boat? No. He, he said, hey, Jesus, call me, at, like, tell me to get out. All right, come on. And then he got out. And then we bag on him because, like, man, you like you shook your eyes off Jesus and you got scared. He, he's the only one that got out of the boat. Like the dude is the only other person other than Chris Angel who whatever he did to walk on water, I'm not sure. But the only supernatural people to ever do it were Jesus and Peter, right? And, okay, here we go. And, again, Jesus called him to do it. That's So what I'm getting at, and I'm kind of rattling here. We've been going for 53 minutes quality podcast right now the point i'm getting at is uh got like when when you're called that's what you do and it may be forever and it may be for a season for noah it was a season for paul it was forever and and that's okay and so uh, our response is like well do i ask that question no what did the scriptures tell you to do the basic things share the gospel all the time pray a lot Know the scriptures, live in community, deal with your sin, give your money and resources when there's a need, and serve the church. Do those things and do them the best you can. And if God wants you to do something, he's going to tell you. And if God's not telling you anything, you need to evaluate, am I doing those things well? Am I doing that at the level that God has called me to do it? No, then he's not going to tell you anything else. That's how it works. Why did I get out of ministry? Because it was time. I got in because I was called. And I got out of being paid by the church. And my role is no different in terms of responsibility and what I'm supposed to do. So I am going back to when you're producing the own, your own show, you have to you gotta turn the knobs yourself. So I'm turning knobs right now. So uh, shout out to Andrew Holder making this EP for the Stella Fellow podcast. It's the intro and extra music. So appreciate you, bud. If you want to catch more of his work, you can get <coughs> you can find him on uh, Spotify or iTunes. He's done multiple albums. I gave him a shout-out every time. Why? Because he made this one for free for me, and I like it. So shout-out to you, Andrew Holder. Appreciate you. Thanks for watching. If you've got a thought, a question, a response, an argument, if you want to say something nice, something mean, anything you want to do, you can reach me at Stello, fellow, S-T-E-L-L-O, F-E-L-L-O at gmail.com. I check that thing every day. Always respond to it. You can hit me there. You can get me on Instagram, Stello underscore fellow. You can send me a DM there. You can find me on Facebook, Case Hubbard, or you can find me at Stello Fellow, the page. Send me a message there if you'd like. You can also find me on TikTok, and the funny dance videos I do with my daughter uh, are also under Stello Fellow. 
underscore and uh linkedin as well you can find me at case hubbard send me a message there however it is that you'd like to find me you can find me because i am findable and i think we faded out on the music so anyways if you want to talk you want to say something i'd be more than happy to engage in a conversation with you would love that thank you for watching today i hope you have a wonderful day it is friday today so have a great weekend if you're listening to this on not on a friday have a great whatever day it is and we will see you next time Shoot, missed the...